This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. Now celebrated firms such as Moderna and Pfizer have developed, tested, and delivered novel coronavirus vaccines in less than a year. The technologies that made these breakthroughs possible promise to accelerate the development of newer and better drug therapies in the future. But these drugs have one nearly immutable obstacle to delivering their optimal benefit. That is human nature. Though most understand drug therapies work best when taken as prescribed, research suggests nearly half of all prescriptions are taken improperly. In fact, medical non-adherence, as this phenomenon is labeled, is estimated to cost the US $290 billion annually in uncontrolled health conditions, excessive hospitalizations, and emergency room and doctor visits each year. To address this challenge, digital pills, tablets that can record if and when they are ingested, are promising to help support this challenge of medical adherence. What was once the realm of science fiction is now suddenly possible. Such breakthroughs are apt to attract some questions, concerns, and controversies as they are made available. What are the benefits or dangers of so-called smart pills? And when are we likely to encounter them? My guest today is Valerie Sullivan, CEO of eTechRx, a leading firm in the field of digital pills. eTechRx recently received FDA approval for its products and plans to start deploying the technologies to promote greater medical adherence. Ms. Sullivan joins me today to discuss the promise of digital pills and address the concerns the technology may face with consumers. We'll explore whether the recent enthusiasm for drug development engendered by successful vaccine rollout will provide a tailwind for eTechRx or will those with concerns genuine or imagined, about a digital pill that tracks us in an Orwellian future will make the embrace or uptake of these innovations arduous or even impossible. I'll also be joined by Bill Smith, visiting fellow in life sciences at Pioneer Institute. Bill will share his views as a scholar and former drug company executive on the potential benefits of digital pills for both consumers and the healthcare system itself. When I return, I'll be joined by Pioneer Institute's Bill Smith and eTechRx CEO, Valerie Sullivan. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi, and I'm now joined by Pioneer Institute's Bill Smith and eTechRx CEO, Valerie Sullivan. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Nice to be with you, Bill. Same here, Valerie. Well, I look forward to an interesting conversation. I know, Valerie, you and Bill do know each other from an earlier life. Now, for the benefit of those listeners who are not from the pharma business and don't understand all the terms and challenges, let's start at the beginning. I believe your product is essentially designed to help uh, those who are taking medications and may not be doing so in the way as prescribed or as we have labeled uh, medical non-adherence. What is medical non-adherence and how does your product uh, de- how is it designed to address that challenge? Um, adherence to medication is an age-old problem. We, we, there's so many reasons why, uh, rationally, we don't take the medications that our doctors prescribe for us. You know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we feel shame at, uh, at having to take medications. We don't like help. We're confused by it and we don't want to ask for clarifications. There are side effects. There's forgetfulness. We're busy. All of these contribute to uh, chronic meds not being taken as directed. And in fact, the data says 
that after one year of being prescribed a medication for a chronic disease, uh, less than uh, 60% of patients will be adherent to their medications. And that's concerning. Uh, you know, hypertension is easily uh, controlled by good, uh, very inexpensive generics. And, you know, when hypertension isn't controlled, uh, patients have heart attacks and die. And, and so much of that is unavoidable. So the adherence problem has been around for a really long time. Oftentimes people will talk to me about it and, and they'll just roll their eyes like, oh yeah, we've had this problem before. And, you know, just throw up their hands. Nothing will work. It's just people being people. So you mentioned it's a broad sweeping problem, uh, fairly uh, universal. Uh, is there any way the medical community addresses adherence now, um, uh, given that they're well aware of the problem? Yeah, there's been lots of companies that have uh, come out with ways to address it. I mean, the specialty pharmacy world where I uh, uh, was part of for a long time, we used to make outbound calls to patients and remind them that they needed to refill their medications. And while that was good for business from a pharmacy perspective, you have no way of documenting that a patient has taken it. But certainly the reminders are effective and they have been around and they, they do work to some degree. There's also pill bottles that ring when you open them. There are blister packs that send a signal when an individual pill comes out of it. There's patient journals, there's pill counts, there's counseling. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is no unequivocal way to confirm a patient took their medicine except for digital pills. Right until now, so until we're now, now we're getting to, <laughs> that's right. We're getting to the technical side. I'm going to hand off the uh, questions, uh, the next questions to to, to Bill. But uh, I have to ask um, before we get in too much detail, what is a digital pill? Yeah, so a digital pill and eTechRx has a digital pill system, which we call the ID Cap system. And a digital pill is a pill that reports when it's taken. So no no. Uh, way around it. Uh, it's and in, in, in our FDA cleared technology, it's actually called an ingestion event marker. And our system has four parts. So within a, a pharma grade hard gelatin capsule, we have the ID tag. And on the ID tag, there's a tiny sensor that when it hits stomach acid, it emits a very low power signal from inside the body to outside the body. And then we cleverly uh, call our reader the receiver that actually picks up the signal. And so, uh, you know, if you think about a signal, uh, it's coming out of the body when it hits the juices and it only lasts for about 30 minutes, but it takes about six minutes to be picked up. And it'll say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then the reader says, I pick you up, I pick you up, I pick you up. And we have an algorithm in the system that says, okay, yes, that indeed was a pill. And there's an app on your phone that says, yep, I see it, it picked it up. And then that signal gets sent to a clinician dashboard so that a care team can monitor those ingestion events. Yeah, so Valerie, that's what I wanted to ask you about. So if you're a physician, you have a website that you go to, uh, a dashboard, I assume, and you see patients and how adherent they are to their medications. And do you get a warning or a flashing light or how do you tell that somebody has not taken their medication? 
Yeah, so you will be able to see and sort on which patients have taken their medications and which ones haven't that day. And we'll work with physicians to set up their dashboard. And, you know, our vision long-term is to be able to integrate with their EMR. We're not quite there yet. And so that we want to make sure it's an easy system for physicians to say, here are all the patients that weren't adherent and to be able to intervene, whether it's a text message or a phone call from the nurse. And that way there, they can be more efficient in their managing of patients remotely rather than calling each patient and not really knowing for sure that they took their med. And so adherence to medication is important, but the most important thing that we believe our technology can bring is the data around why people aren't taking their meds and to be able to evaluate the interventions that really do make a difference so that patients can be empowered and that patients can get the treatment uh, working the way, uh, you know, the company, the pharma companies intended to work. Yeah. And I, I would, I, I would bet that most people would hear about this technology and say, this is pretty cool. This is really cool. This is uh, and, and anybody who has any knowledge of the medical adherence problem knows that this is a multi-billion dollar problem for the, the healthcare system. And if this technology helps crack it, great. But there have been companies that have gone into this digital pill world before. I recall a company named Proteus, which was all the rage in Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And they were hard charging and they were going to change the world. And uh, I think they went bankrupt, um, if yeah. I recall. And and so t- tell me about the difference between your technology and their technology, your business model, marketing, pricing versus theirs. And, and why do you think you can succeed where they did not? Yeah, no. Uh, thanks, Bill, for asking that. Uh, as you can imagine, that's the number one question that we get when we're out in the marketplace. And I can assure you that uh, the digital pill technology isn't what failed. It's Proteus, the company that failed. And I could put in three buckets um, why the company failed. And the first one is execution. Uh, you know, this company was around for 18 years before it filed for bankruptcy. And their technology had published uh, over 68 studies that proved, uh, you know, good, effective technology in the digital pill space. And they were the pioneers. Uh, you know, we followed them. Our FDA clearance was uh, on the heels of theirs. So it was, really was all about execution. And, you know, when you're innovating, you do need to evaluate you know, hey, should we go to the pharma group? Should we go to practitioners? Should we do drug device combinations? Should we build a facility? And they were all over the place. And we all know that good uh, leadership is about focus and stay in the course and not moving, you know, the grid lines every time there's a problem. It's stay in the course. And I feel like, uh, you know, it's unfair to say that they didn't stay the course, but quite frankly, uh, they didn't. And, and so when you move on from execution to their focus, you know, they finally got it right at the, you know, at the middle of 2020, where they signed a deal with TenCare to do value-based contracting for hep C products, uh, you know, on the heels of a study that showed that uh, 99.1% of patients, a 200 patient trial, uh, that that showed you know clearance of the Hep C virus ninety nine point one percent. That's pretty cool, um, but it was too late. So the third bucket is timing. You know they had a difficult partnership. Uh, they couldn't raise more money during COVID, 
And, uh, you know, their partner, uh, Atsuka, uh, kind of forced them to file bankruptcy. And uh, no other suitors came about during the pandemic. And Atsuka was able to pick up this technology for a song. So how we're going to be different is, you know, my background is all about execution and focus. And as uh, as a as an adjunct professor at Bentley, I know that leadership does drive results. And so I've got a great team of engineers. We've got better technology in two ways. One is that uh, our technology doesn't require a patch. The patch had up to a 40% adverse event rate. And second is our, our scalability is so much easier than, than theirs. We uh, are able to over-encapsulate any oral pill that can fit into our uh, gelatin capsule, our ID cap, without requiring uh, another FDA clearance. And we all know how challenging uh, that can be for pharma. So, Valerie, you, you introduced a couple of concepts, and I think you and Bill are in the space, so you know the yeah. lingo. So, for those of a lay lay people like me, uh, let me just uh, ask a couple of questions that I think you 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 touched on. You mentioned this Proteus has been around for eighteen years. I'm assuming that this is their technology. So, the technology has been around for quite some time. Uh, you've recently used it on the heels of their approval. The FDA approved yours. Um, has there been any safety concerns along the way in 18 years? Uh, now we, I suppose, both of you have it right. Um, timing is everything. But you said for 18 years, have they had it wrong, and how did they have it wrong? Uh, and you, you know, mentioned briefly, you've got some sort of uh, transponder on you to measure the pill. Uh, you mentioned they had a patch. So how how many iterations of this technology have have happened before we got to today? Yeah, great question. Uh, so the technology ingestible sensors have been around since the late 50s. And so, you know, definitely the technology has evolved. My group of engineers have been laser focused on trying to improve uh, the measurement of adherence to drugs. And they started off thinking about this uh, on the tongue, actually. Uh, So when they found out that you couldn't radiate a signal from the tongue that uh, detected uh, breath, they they moved on to an ingestible sensor. And so from a safety perspective, we have a very low uh, power. We operate in a, a very low band of a frequency. Uh, so to give you a sense of that, um, our technology emanates a signal from inside the body at about 100 microwatts. And a cell phone emanates a signal of 600,000 microwatts. So super safe, and uh, you know that's why the FDA gave us a clearance after lots and lots of data. Um, and to your other point on iterations, uh, you know there have been over uh, 5,900 uh, ingestions of our technology, and there have been zero adverse events that have had to be reported. Now there are some side effects, you know, uh, some paritis and and some uh, GI concerns. Um, but for the most part, you know, very low powering a technology that we feel is very safe for patients. So, Valerie, I want to ask you about the business model of your company. How do you get revenue? How do you who do you partner with? I assume you partner with a pharmaceutical company that's got a pill that's already approved by the FDA and you somehow add the sensor to that pill. How, how would that work? Yes. Uh, So we do want to work with the pharmaceutical industry. I believe they are the most innovative in the healthcare ecosystem. And so we are working to engage pharma either in the clinical trials phase, because 
there's a vast majority of clinical trials that fail because the drug doesn't meet efficacy endpoints. And a lot of times those endpoints aren't reached because the study participants don't take their meds. So ideally, we'd like to get in in the clinical trials because we think our technology can save uh, recruitment costs can accelerate trials and can actually get information on here's when the drug was taken at 1052 and here are the levels. And that additional data could just revolutionize the way drugs come to market. But there's also pharma companies who want to talk to us about drugs that are already on the market. So what we want to do is we want to work with pharma companies and we want to license our technology and offer wraparound services so that we can work with them to ensure that our technology is integrated in their already existing systems. So they don't have to blow everything up and start again. We can work agnostically with any system that already exists. And from a tactical logistic perspective, so we manufacture the um, empty ID capsules with the ID tag in it, and we will ship those empty capsules to either a, a, a pharmacy uh, like Optum, who has experience doing this, or to a contract manufacturer, and they will take our capsules apart, put the oral pill in, uh, co-join the capsules, and dispense those to the patient with the reader to make sure that uh, you know the patient it's easy to get started and record your information you know the day you open your mailbox and get out our information can i ask though um imagine i'm on a particular drug that uh, has this as an option would this be mandatory for a particular type of drug or do you imagine each drug having two versions one one trackable and one one not Great question. Uh, my vision is that you would have the chip version and the non-chip version listed on Compendia so that uh, any pharmacy could adjudicate either one. And I don't believe that uh, any technology can make a patient take their medication. And so, you know, the doctor-patient relationship is one based on trust. And when prescribers understand how good this technology can help them in remote patient monitoring, I believe they'll communicate to the appropriate patient who can benefit from our technology. Now, now before we go any further, and I'm, 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 I'm very excited about this technology, I'm sure you've heard at least some concerns about uh, the idea of ingesting uh, uh, a chip, if you will. Um, have you had to address those uh, either from scientists, perhaps they don't come from those areas, but you have to imagine there'd be some pushback. Um, I'm reminded we're, we're all excited about the current vaccine, but there's been allegations that the potential for a, for a chip being injected into our arms. Uh, you know, this is not the realm of science, but it is the realm of rumor. Have you addressed those uh, concerns? And I'll just throw those out there. Yes, uh, that, and is Bill Gates behind this technology? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not. There's okay. no conspiracy theories on the show. But you know, can, you know, are you? What if someone says, "I don't, I don't want anything tracking me. I, I don't want the government to know where I am. I, I don't want." Uh, how about a legitimate concern? I, frankly, I don't want the, in my insurance company uh, to know if I'm taking my meds. Uh, you know, I, I, as you say, this is a privacy issue, uh, and suddenly now um, my data is going right to my phone and out into the world. What, what do you say about those concerns? So. All good questions. We recently partnered with uh, Dr. Peter Chai and Dr. Ed Boyer at the Brigham and Women's. Uh, they have been studying our technology in high-risk patients who really benefit from having uh, support with adhering to their medications. And uh, the study was published in November. And while it was a small study uh, 
cohort, uh, more than two thirds of patients said, yes, I like this technology. It gives me comfort. It helps me feel empowered uh, to, to know that what I am doing is helping me with my disease. Are there gonna be some patients who are gonna be skeptical? Absolutely. Uh, the best way we can continue to get the word out is to partner with prescribers and patients like we're doing at the Brigham and get the data out that support it. And over time, I believe we're all moving towards digital. Uh, it, you know, the, the pandemic has really helped to accelerate digital health by almost five years. And you know we are tracking everything we do um, on our on our smartphones, uh, you know, with our smart devices, with our smartwatches, and it's only a matter of time before uh, you know people see like I need to really know if I'm taking my medication because as humans we uh, over. Uh, predict how good we're doing uh, when the data really shows that uh, we're probably not as good in some areas that we think we should. And when we look at the data, it does help us. It, and I think it's called the Hawthorne effect, or you could call it the Stephen Covey effect. You can't manage what you can't measure. And there's really nothing that measures adherence. So once you do have somebody, you know, under the microscope looking at how you're adhering, then patients, you know, may be able to adhere more strongly to their medications and ultimately get better outcomes. I mean, that's really what I've been about my whole career is helping to empower patients uh, to use the all the technologies that are out there, starting you know with drugs to uh, live better lives. So, Valerie, so, I just want to ask about uh, therapeutic areas. Uh, you mentioned hypertension, but I assume there are therapeutic areas you might target before others um, yes. where adherence is really important. What, what what areas do you think they would be? Yeah. So, I, you know, I say to the team that we have at eTechRx, we're like kids in a candy store. There's not one therapeutic area that wouldn't benefit from our technology, but really need to stay focused. And so I think hep C is a great use case and, you know, would love to see 10 care pick up their contract from a uh, let's, let's make sure we get as many 10 care patients to have their viral load eliminated and cured so that we don't have to pay for liver transplants. And more importantly, why patients don't have to continue to suffer with hepatitis C. I also think that oral chemo is a great place. More than half of all the chemotherapeutics that are coming onto the market are oral. And these drugs cost a lot of money. And it's hard for patients to you know, stay adherent to them if they have side effects. And so, you know, in the old days, you know, you get hooked up to your, your chair, you know, the oncologist made sure you took your medication, knew if you were having a side effect, sent you home appropriately, but knew you took it. These oral chemo meds, there's no way to really know it. And then if you have a side effect, you know, there's a good chance you'll call your doctor and say, hey, I'm having a side effect, but there's a good chance you're feeling so lousy that you won't. And by the time three or four days goes by, one, you've wasted the value of that drug. And two, you might be in the hospital. And three, your disease might not be eliminated or at least mitigated to the degree it could. So we really think oral chemo is a great use case and, you know, a bunch more, but those are the top two that we're trying to stay focused on. I don't want you to go too far into the future, but it seems to me this technology is is sort of binary. You've either taken your medicine or you haven't, and that's that's the extent to which you want to measure. Uh, 
going beyond there, can you imagine these, this technology be using, being used as a diagnostic test? You mentioned uh, hep C as a sort of a, a target uh, case. Uh, uh, patients have to do more than just take the drug. I think they have to lay off uh, dr- uh, drinking and, and uh, other, uh, let's say, uh, bad activity. No, no, nothing against drinking, but w- w- when one yeah. is taking the uh, drug, what else can these uh, technologies tell us about uh, all the um, adjacent issues uh, associated with any uh, oral drug regime? Like your question a lot, uh, really do, Joe. Uh, again, going back to those clinical trials and thinking about how much data you need to collect to uh, get a new drug approved. Uh, you know, for me, I could get really excited about taking data that you get from your um, smartphone or your, you know, smartwatch because they're collecting so much information. And then you marry that with what your level of drug was and you know what your activity level was and just think how powerful that data set could be in terms of culling out insights on how we can help people see that by nudging them towards a, a few less drinks every day could really make a difference in how they feel. And again, that's that uh, patient empowerment. And our technology that, uh, you know, our patient app and our dashboard can be integrated into, you know, anybody else's data set. We've developed it to be elegant, accurate, and very flexible. We don't need to own all that back end. We just want to be that uh, that uh, communication standard from anything that's inside the body to be able to get that information out. And our first, uh, you know, thinking is uh, around adherence to medication. Now, at the top of the show, I mentioned a big number. Uh, the The U.S. wastes about five hundred sixty billion dollars in uh, in poor drug adherence. Um, again, you were, we're projecting, uh, how much do you think uh, can be changed? How effective uh, is this uh, measurement? You, you, you cited um, data is a great way. You can't change something until you can measure it. And yet we have lots of calorie counters and still lots of uh, obese people. It doesn't answer all our, all our challenges. Uh, what, how, what degree do you think we can uh, uh, help uh, address that issue? So I did some research with uh, a really smart group of consultants, and we believe that uh, within the next three to four years, if we could get six different uh, pharmaceutical drugs to be uh, have have uh, an encapsulated or a digital pill approach, we could make a difference in about 5% of clinical trials. Now, there's some fancy math there and it's, it's extrapolation. Um, it will take a while for widespread adoption, uh, but once it does, I believe that uh, we could in 10 to 20 years see that in every clinical trial, that there is a digital way to absolutely confirm a patient has stayed adherent to their study med. Now, the, the policy angle of, of this uh, uh, technology is that uh, saving money on healthcare saves money for other things that we would rather spend money on. Um, but are there any uh, additional uh, uh, obstacles uh, for uptake, uh, either at the state or, or federal level? Um, uh, many of our local legislators here in Massachusetts listen to the show. Um, I suppose there may be some uh, um, uh, leaders in the pharma world that also listen to the show. What, what, what can we do to uh, help uh, accelerate the uptake of this technology? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the healthcare ecosystem is complicated. I've spent my whole career in it. If we were just trying to change the behavior of one, and you know, you've got prescribers, you've got um, payers, you've got pharma, and you've got patients. If we were just trying to change one, it would be incredibly hard. We're trying to change all four at the same time. So I am optimistic that over time, people will see the data and will uh, advance their thinking to adopt our technology. And now is the time to uh, evaluate it because again, COVID has accelerated it. From a state and local perspective, I feel that our FDA clearance uh, is that uh, good housekeeping seal of approval. Uh, we do need to register as a medical device uh, manufacturer uh, with, with many of the states and every state has a different requirement and we are doing that and we're seeing no obstacles to that. And I would encourage any pharma or legislator uh, who is uh, listening uh, to reach out and we'd love to talk more about how our commitment to patient engagement and better disease outcomes might have an impact on their constituents. And, and finally, of course, our, our listeners will, will want to know how to find mo out more about um, eTechRx and you, Valerie. Uh, where can uh, where can they find you? Uh, your website or or the site for your technology? Uh, thank you. Uh, we're at uh, eTechRx. That's e t e c t r x dot com, and uh, I'm easily uh, found on LinkedIn under Valerie Sullivan. Uh, so I, I should come up fairly easily uh, and welcome a chance to talk to anybody about how we can help patients. That's wonderful. All right. Well, that's a, uh, we're coming to the end of our time together. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to, to share some more about the, uh, the technology. Uh, it's very exciting and um, uh, good luck. Thank you. I appreciate this. It's been a pleasure. Great to uh, see you, Bill. Nice to see nice you, Nice to Valerie. meet you, Joe. All right. Cheers. This has been another episode of Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. If you enjoyed today's show, there are several ways you can support us. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your podcatcher. Uh, if you want to give us a five-star rating or a favorable review, uh, that would make us easier for others to find. Uh, if you have questions or ideas or comments and you would like to reach me, uh, I can be reached at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk.